We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did CeeDee Lamb or Jordan Love carry you to the title? Did Stefan Driggs, Diggs drag you down to second place? We'll talk about our fantasy championships and the playoff races coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Uh, and our podcast is always brought to you by the good folks from Smash Up Fantasy Sports, Odds Are, and Circa. Nick, happy new year. How was your uh, weekend? How was your week 17? Happy new year to you as well. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend. You know, we had a fun slate yesterday with everything kind of compacted. No Monday night game, of course, tonight. Uh, still did have the Thursday night game still had a Saturday game but we had a ton of games in the noon window yesterday and you know I did something I've been wanting to do all year which was you know rallied some of the fellas here in Milwaukee we went to the local Potawatomi Sportsbook in Milwaukee uh fantastic time taking in the noon games there not quite the circus sportsbook uh in, in terms of scale uh but they are working on a bigger one looking forward to seeing that uh in, in a couple of months but I was shocked Jeff like I, I sports betting you know it's been it's been legal at the at the sportsbook here in Milwaukee for a while now I showed up at about 11.15 yesterday and had to wait in line for probably 40, 45 minutes just to get to a kiosk. I mean, it was flooded with people trying wow. to get NFL bets in. Yeah, uh, that is pretty wild. And, you know, it's uh, yeah, that that I, I love hearing that, uh, I, but it, it just shows that the market is there. I also hate hearing that because it's never going to happen here in California, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very jealous. Fingers there. crossed someday. Yeah, it's just too many uh, moneyed interests, including Las Vegas, who doesn't want uh, that to be happening here. So um, you, did you have any fantasy irons in the fire this past week? You know, I did take home a consolation championship. Jeff, so, uh, yeah, they, right. that's what everybody's tuning into here. You know, how did that consolation game play out? Uh, no, for the most part, in, in most of my you know leagues that I care about got knocked out over the last couple of weeks. So I was not sweating out uh, any big finals. Uh, you know, a couple of the guys I was with you know, were, were keeping a very close eye on, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who barely played in the second half of the yeah. the Niners win over the Commanders. But no, I, I wish I could, you know, tell some sort of harrowing story where I had Bo Melton in my lineup. And, and that's why I'm taking home a championship belt. But, uh, you know, it was a relatively average, even below average year for me in most of my leagues. So I had a couple championships yesterday, plus a couple of other things where is essentially works the same as. Uh, like you know, total points contest there. 
Uh, but I had, for instance, I had a championship though, where I was starting Jarrett Stidham. I was starting um, Kenneth Gainwell, Tyler Algier. And I also had, it's, it's a, a super flex plus and a three wide receivers and a flex league. And I also had to start uh, oh, which crappy wide receiver was the wrong one. Um, I started Devonte Parker instead of Cedric Wilson. Had I started Cedric Wilson and Kareem hunt, I would have won. I lost by 10. Uh, I, I was missing Keenan Allen. I was missing Amari Cooper. I was missing Trevor Lawrence, Joshua Palmer. All these people got hurt at the wrong time. Um, the other guy had the better team all year. So it's, it, I, 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 I want to say my tale of woe. Uh, but the fact is, I, I, I could have picked up Brandon Johnson. I didn't do that either, uh, and that that would have mm. that would have gotten me the ship. Uh, but I didn't, so so it, it happens. Um, although actually, no, not Brandon Johnson. I take that back. It was a little Jordan Humphrey that I could have picked yep. up. And but uh, now, point is, you know, would you rather get blown out in a final, or would you rather lose with by a woulda, coulda, shoulda? I think I'd rather get blown out. I'd rather just win the matchup uh, well, first and foremost. Sure. I want to be clear about that. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I think probably a blowout in that scenario. You know, then it's it's over early. You know, you're you're not scratching and clawing in the late games. You know, trying to wait for something that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, it's tough either way. And it sounds like honestly, I mean, what 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 heart, what courage by your team with all those yes. injuries to to still make it to the final, to still make it relatively close. I mean, um, yes. you know, to, to be a little Jordan Humphrey start away uh, is impressive in that scenario. Yeah. I had CD Lamb, I had Harrison Butker, so I had some good things happen. Obviously, mm. Tyler Algier, that seventy-five yard screen pass touchdown. I'm like, team of destiny, and then uh, no, That's, that was the one positive play on the day for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and it was just a total fluke, basically. But mm. uh, it's their one play that they have. Uh, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit there. Let's let's we'll go through these. Uh, we'll talk about some of the league winners, league losers, and all that. Uh, we may not go like thoroughly through every game like we do every week but after all it's new year's and you got your badgers on tv right now so oh yeah we sure let's, do let, the let's start us bowl baby yes that's right that's right uh is that that is that what used to be the outback bowl <laughs> I, I have no idea to be honest anymore uh i, I think so possibly uh this yeah. game is in tampa i know that tampa, um, that's outback, i'm pretty sure yeah I, I think so i don't know these change so much at this point and uh, the badgers have played in like every upper mid-level bowl now uh we were just kind of making the rotation you know the, yeah. the, the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl a few years ago reliant quest bowl like i don't know there's there's all these like southern brands that i'm not really that familiar with yeah um i uh, yeah we've we've done a couple of outback bowls and whoo that's a big play by lsu just there we're gonna do some live play by play it's gonna be awesome yeah. um but uh yeah it's i think he was out of bounds though so they're all trotting back yeah. um all right uh yeah it, yeah it some good games. We had, there was a Northwestern Auburn Outback Bowl that was crazy. Uh, Mike Kafka threw, threw the ball. Mike Kafka. We had a uh, wild two-point play to send it to overtime. Um, it, it was just an incredible comeback, but uh, it, it was pretty cool. All right. Let's go local for you, and that means the Jackson mm. Jaguars. Um, with getting on the board, getting back on the board, Playing without Trevor Lawrence and still getting the W. I was shocked by this result, to be honest. Uh, you know, I think the Panthers have been playing better over the last couple of weeks. I thought this could be a potential, you know, just complete disaster spot, really, for Jacksonville having to start C.J. Beathard. And I thought Beathard looked fine, you know, for the most part, uh, about what you'd expect from a veteran backup, you know, kind of more of a, a game-managing situation. Um, but early on, you know, the, the Jags came down. First uh, three scoring drives were all field goals. Uh, you know, all those obviously could have been touchdowns, but they, they had trouble 
in the red zone, but I thought Beathard did a very good job moving them down the field. But uh, really, Jeff, this was all with the Jags defense. And it, Jacksonville has not had a game like this defensively in a while. And I know it's the Carolina Panthers, so it uh, makes it a little bit easier. But 2.3 yards per play. Carolina was one of 13 on third downs yesterday. Three sacks for Josh Allen, two sacks for Trayvon Walker. Might have been the best game of Trayvon Walker's career so far. And Josh Allen, by the way, is up to 16 and a half sacks on the season. He's a half sack off the NFL lead behind Trey Hendrickson uh, and TJ Watt. He's also in the top five in QB hits. I think we could be looking at, you know, maybe a push for second team all pro for Josh Allen. Um, outside of that, though, it was not a, a banner day necessarily for the Jags offense. You know, ETN no. had the one long play. If you remove that, he carried 15 times for 40 yards. So credit to the Jags for finally ripping off a long run for the first time in like six weeks. But outside of that, it was kind of a lot of the same. It was. And I kind of had buried ETN in my rankings. I think I'm at like 18th or 19th this week. He got the long run, though. Um, so, you know, if you had him, if you got that far with him, you're probably starting him anyhow. I did see like maybe one or two leagues where people had so much running back depth. They got the Kyron Williams pickup or something like that. Uh, so you're pretty much starting him. C.J. Beathard didn't do a whole lot, which meant his receivers didn't do a whole lot. Uh, Jamal Agnew got hurt uh, on on a long catch. Uh, so you're down to like one healthy receiver now. Yeah, and it, it felt like it too. And really at that point, you know, the, the the long Agnew play had kind of set up the Jags. And, you know, the Panthers had had like nine drives at that point that had just gone absolutely nowhere. So even though the Jags were were basically down to Evan Ingram, who ended up being by far their most productive receiver, uh, the game just kind of felt over at that point. I mean, this was this was one of like the five worst offensive performances that any team has had this season. And, you know, Carolina's had a few games that would meet that criteria, but again, 2.3 yards per play, 124 total yards. It was the fourth, fourth worst offensive performance in terms of yards per play on the season. And which it, you know, it makes you shudder to think that three teams have somehow been worse than this, because this was, this was a complete disaster by the Panthers. I mean, Bryce Young was sacked six times. At one point it looked like he was knocked out of the game. Like he was down. Yeah in a heap and you're thinking, all right, here comes Andy Dalton. And if, if you're a Jags fan, that's not good news. I think you'd rather face Bryce young at this point. Um, yeah. Last thing I'll say about this one. I mean, there's, it, it was a 26, nothing game. So there's, there's not a whole lot of takeaways here, but I did have a CJ Beathard to lose a fumble bet going the entire day, uh, which, which made for an entertaining watch. You know, it's like, all right, I need the Jags to win this game, but I also need CJ Beathard to lose a fumble at some point. He didn't do it. He took care of the ball. Yeah, it did put the ball on the ground once. Neither team did. That was the one thing. There were no fumbles in this game. So, yeah, that the Bryce Young thing was uh, scary. Uh, it yeah. looked like he was out on it, like just out. It looked like it for a second there. Not yeah. just down, but like he looked like he was. I was shocked down. he came back into the game. Yeah, me too. Um, and and for what you know, and that that's yeah, the right. thing. You know that that's the thing that's pretty wild about that. Um, so okay, I don't have anything else to say about Carolina and Jacksonville. Um. Nope. I'll actually one. I'll ask you this: Should they have gone to Beathard sooner just to get Trevor Lawrence fully healthy? In retrospect, I think it's a fair question, but I think if Lawrence, if Lawrence is saying he could play, I think you got to go with that. Um, you know, I, I think he's the guy. Uh, this is not, you know, some sort of oh, we want to get a look at CJ Beathard. You know, I, I right. think against Carolina at home, you know, CJ Beathard could look okay. He could pilot you to a win like this, especially when the defense is playing as well as it, as it has, but. Um, I, I think if Trevor Lawrence is good to go, he's playing next week against Tennessee, obviously. And, and you know, over these last few weeks, I think it's, it's easy to say that, you know, Lawrence not being 100 percent, you know, led to some of his poor play, you know, the, the four game losing streak for Jacksonville. But I don't know. I, I as a Jags fan, I had no problem with Lawrence being out there. Um, you know, I, I still I think their problems are much bigger than Trevor Lawrence overall. So 
Um, yeah, it's kind of been a, a very strange situation. The Jags are now in a, a you know win and you're in, and you, you end up winning the division. Also, weirdly enough, like no matter what, the winner of the Houston Indy game gets in. Uh, yeah. So there's still a lot at play in the AFC, and they're basically locked into a matchup with either Cleveland or Buffalo in the first round if the Jags do in fact make the playoffs. Which both of those to me feel like kind of nightmare matchups. Yeah, indeed, uh, they totally are. Uh, but you never know, yeah. home matchup. You know, yeah, you can do that. I mean, it, it is wild though that they could still possibly miss the playoffs too, though. Uh, it... Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm going to be a, a nervous wreck next week because I think that is a distinct possibility. Like, I don't know, they, it was the same situation last year, right? I mean, week 18, you got to play Tennessee. That was the Josh Dobbs game. You're like, what could possibly go wrong? And that one, you know, came down to the final possession in the fourth quarter. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that again. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. All right, Kansas City and Cincinnati. Uh, let's get this. Let's rip off the bandaid on this one here. Uh, Bengal season is done now. Uh, they have been eliminated from the playoffs. That game was going really well for about two and a half quarters for the Bengals. Uh, they got stuffed on a fourth down play. And I don't even begrudge that they went for it or that they, the play call, even though it blew up, because they were running the ball decently prior to that, but they completely changed the game. Uh, that and the Chiefs switched up their defensive scheme so they could uh, do a little bit more man to man and blitz a little bit more, and Browning had a hard time with the pressure. Change game. The Chiefs were moving the ball. They got some big chunk plays. Rasheed Rice with a huge one there when they they, they were deep in their own end. Uh, and that's kind of the story of the Bengals' season uh, defensively. This was – my takeaway from the Bengals is they thought they could replace their two safeties with young guys, and they had a hard time doing so, especially because when once they lost Cam Taylor Britt, Although he came back this game and he was a he was beaten on a couple of those deep play, those chunk plays, but they gave up chunk plays all season long, and it's hard to win when you're giving up chunk plays, even if the Chiefs can't score touchdowns. Right, you know they 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 moved the ball at the very least, you know, and that, that it was just a different game after that. Seven yards per play for the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, you you don't see that a whole lot these days for Kansas City. I mean that's uh, that's like 2021 Kansas City stuff. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Rice play. That was their longest passing play of the entire season. Pacheco had a couple of long runs, both of which came in the second half uh, as Kansas City made its charge. I mean, I still don't think the Chiefs played all that well. You know, they yeah, were down yeah. 17 to 7 in the first half. Uh, you know, and, and the Bengals came out really, really strong. They ended up finishing the game, their final seven drives, punt, downs, downs, punt, 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 downs. And, you know, the, the Joe Mixon ones, like, I, I like the call. I think they were, what, around like the 10-yard line? That was that was like as stuffed as you could possibly be. Like, yeah, I, that was like a five yard loss on on a halfback dive. Yeah, the Mixon had no chance on that play. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I thought Browning played well until that point, and then he got under pressure and really struggled. Mm -hmm. Oh wow, beautiful touchdown by your Badgers there. Uh, oh. Watch the footwork by Green on this one here when you get a chance. But uh, it was a uh, you know it, it was frustrating to watch, but. That's been this season in a nutshell. So next week, Bengals Browns, utterly meaningless, utterly, utterly meaningless because the Browns are locked into the five spot in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, they have nothing to play for. And the Bengals obviously are knocked out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamar Chase sits. T Higgins briefly left with a hamstring issue there. It wasn't much of a factor in the second half. He came back, but he wasn't a factor. You know, that, that was a, T Higgins kind of it was a bad year for you. If you had T Higgins aside, he had these huge chunk games right. and then he had so many zeros. It was, it was like a boomer bust. It was kind of a, an expensive Gabe Davis is what it was. I mean, he is the wide receiver 48 on the year right now in yeah. PPR. And obviously, you know, when you miss what four or five games, you know, you're, you're going to rank much lower, but 
yeah, weird season, right? I mean, he was somebody that I was actually targeting, <clears throat> excuse me, as I lose my voice here, targeting in a ton of leagues. Like I was you know, happy, thrilled when I would get T Higgins and, you know, kind of thinking, all right, you know, this, this super high end number two receiver, he'd be a number one for basically any team in the league other than Cincinnati. And yeah, I mean, he, he put up zero points in week one. Maybe that should have been a harbinger of things to come, but then had a huge week two. And really ever since then, it just felt like couldn't really string anything together. I mean, he had the, the back-to-back big weeks in, in week 15 and 16. So, you know, kind of helped you at the right time in the fantasy postseason. But it's just, yeah, I, I don't I don't like feel any differently about T. Higgins, the player. You know, I don't look back and be like, oh, wow, he, he got worse. Or I feel differently about his trajectory. It was just kind of one of those seasons where, where things went awry for both him and the Bengals and just never were able to get it on track. Yep. Chiefs, uh, they're they're set basically. Um, they they clinched the AFC West, so they don't. They're another team that has nothing to play for this week, mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you are you are correct about that. Uh, they are at the LA Chargers, and the Chargers are one and a half point favorites. So I think that tells you uh, what we might be looking at from a rest perspective for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, the, the thing for them is like, do you rest or you try to keep fixing your offense? I mean, that's that's the tricky part, but. The yeah. Easton stick led chargers being a favorite against anybody tells you a lot about what they expect out of that game. All right, let's move on. Uh, but before we move on quick note from our friends over at smash up fancy sports, are you one of the many sports fans who are not ready for the fantasy season to end? Then you have to play smash up fantasy sports, the fastest growing free game and smash up your traditional fantasy team gets supercharged by smash cards, which are like video game power-ups that you pick to boost the scores of your players or even your entire team. Think your kicker is going to have a big game like Harrison Butker did yesterday? Then choose cards like Big Kick Energy to power them up. Are you starting Justin Fields? Then play Scramble Spikes to score more from his running. Paired with cool video game-like uh, visuals, Smash Up is the biggest innovation in fantasy sports in a very long time and really feels like it was designed for sports fans. And here's the best part. You can play for free or, and win fantastic prizes. No credit card needed. No hidden fees. All users receive three entries per week. But with our code ROTOWIRE, you'll unlock a fourth entry every week through the Super Bowl. And if you use our promo code or join the group ROTOWIRE from your profile, you can play against us in our private tournament for a chance to win a free ROTOWIRE fantasy football subscription. Enter now at SmashUpSports.com and join the future of fantasy sports. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are breaking down the week that was. Let's talk about the team that's the biggest winner of the week, and that has to be the Baltimore Ravens, both on the field and also in just in terms of locking up their, their seed in the playoffs and locking up the MVP uh, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, if you had him yesterday, you better have won. Uh, he, he was amazing yesterday. Every drive was just like clockwork. They were just rolling yesterday. Lamar is now minus 20,000 at the DraftKings Sportsbook to win MVP. And, you know, you got Dak at 18 to one, Purdy at 30 to one, Josh Allen, 35 to one. I mean, this is, this is over. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything that could happen in week 18 that will change that. And I know we've been saying all year, it's like, yeah, you know, the numbers, it doesn't really feel like he's had an MVP season. It doesn't really feel like anybody's had an MVP season. Right. And right. I think it's become clear over the last couple of weeks that the Ravens might be the best team in the NFL. And this is one of those years where I think the, the MVP just goes to the best player on the best team. And, sure. and certainly Lamar will be, you know, everybody knows he's that caliber of player. He's going to have a second MVP. Not, not that many quarterbacks can say that. So, yeah, I you know last week I did not see the Ravens going to San Francisco and winning that game. I, I thought it was a I wouldn't say a false final, but you know San Francisco turned it over five times. You know they were they they still moved the ball I think better than you'd expect if you're just looking at the numbers on Baltimore. But this was 
this was a complete decimation, right? I mean, Miami, Miami led this game after after one quarter. They were up 10 to 7. It's not like Baltimore just you know hit the gas from the beginning, but my goodness, five touchdowns for Lamar, 321 pass yards. Uh, you know, still being very careful uh, about running the ball. It took a he took a big hit in this game. Like it's it's a different version of Lamar Jackson than we've seen in years past. He's still I think has that in his back pocket, but is using it a lot more judiciously. And you kind of wonder, it's like, all right, is he, is he saving this for when he absolutely needs it? And the Ravens just haven't really needed it that much because he's been so good as a passer. Big game for Zay Flowers. Odell Beckham had a monster catch on the yep. sideline to set up another touchdown. Um, and this game just you know completely unraveled for the Miami Dolphins. Lamar threw for 321 yards and five touchdowns and only threw it 21 times. Yeah. It was just hyper efficient. All these chunk plays they had. So their very first two plays long pass to Bateman got overturned after a replay review, long pass play to justice Hill got overturned due to a penalty on Bateman. They're like, no problem. We'll convert a 30 to yeah. 16. We'll do this. They just marched down the field and did whatever they wanted. It was crazy. How, how easy it was for them. Yeah. It, it was a casual 56 points, which yeah. you don't see very often in the NFL. And, and again, once, once Baltimore got rolling, I mean, it was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. Uh, like you said, I mean, they, they had turnovers. They had penalties. It just didn't seem to matter. It, it was pretty unbelievable to watch. And, you know, Miami, <clears throat> I don't I don't think Miami played as badly as the final score would imply. But, you know, started pressing a little bit in the second yeah. half, especially. We got a, we got a Mike White sighting at the end of the game. You know, that, <laughs> that kind of tells you how things went. Um, obviously, they they missed the, the presence of Jalen Waddell. You know, I, I think having those two together, Hill and Waddell, there's something that kind of unlocks for both of them, right? Yeah. And, I mean, Tyreek Hill should have had a better day than he did. He dropped, you know, one of the worst drops of the year. Had a, had a touchdown in his chest and just completely lost control of the ball and then oh. basically fumbled it out of the back of the end zone. Uh, but you got to have both of those guys, I think, for this offense to to function at the highest level. And it's it's notably different when one of those guys is out. Yeah, exactly. They Miami had a chance at one point, caught a, caught a break, had a fumble recovery off of uh, from Gus Edwards, and then threw an interception on the very next play. Um, yeah. And that, that pretty much defined their day. They also lost Bradley Chubb in this game. That's a big loss for this team. This was a disaster game for Miami. Now they have to play a, you know, you know, must win game against Buffalo to, to win the division. Otherwise they're a wild card. Um, th this is, and, and there's a lot of the same lingering questions about whether or not they can beat a good team it still exists. They have one good win that's over Dallas. And that was a barely sort of type of win. They have one good win. They still don't really have a notable road victory, and they have a huge game in Week 18, right? I mean, this is yeah. – we're going to talk about you know, some of the meaningless games next week. This is not one of them. There's a reason this is in the night slot uh, yeah. on Sunday on NBC. This will decide the AFC East, and really it's it's Miami's last chance, I think, to to kind of notch a, a resume-building win, right? This isn't college football where you need a – you know, you need a resume to get in, but – right. You know they're they're at home. I, I still think there are some people whose minds won't be changed. You know if they win this game, but I, I think if you're Miami, you kind of need this internal confidence building game, really, because you're already locked into the playoffs. Like there's some weird right. machinations here where Buffalo could still miss the playoffs. Miami's in no matter what, but I, I think you kind of need a, a confidence boosting win if you're the Dolphins after losing in this fashion uh, to a team that a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people thought Miami could win this game straight up. I think it closed at what Ravens minus three. Yeah, well, for you and I were both big on Ravens. I think yeah. I, I uh, you know, I made the Ravens my best bet. But yeah, I, I still thought it was should have been like I, I was wrong. It should have been set at thirty-seven, but uh, it mm -hmm. was I set it at six. But um, still, uh, yeah, I, it, it's a hold on to your butts moment here now for the Dolphins heading into this week. Tua's banged up. They lost Chubb. Who knows that they're going to have Mostert or Waddle? Um, mm -hmm. Their offensive line is all sorts of banged up. Yet they're still in the playoffs. Buffalo could be out of the playoffs or they could be the two seed. 
there's a pretty yeah. wide range for that. So let's talk a little Buffalo here. Uh, they, uh, this was not a work of art against the Pats. They, they, they won and good for them for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they continued uh, their, their progress, but this wasn't a really pretty game for them. Wasn't a pretty game for them. It wasn't a pretty game for the Patriots. Uh, it was not a pretty game to watch. This is what we, you just kept waiting for Buffalo to pull away. And if you're watching on red zone, you know, you're like, oh, another interception. All right, great. The Bills, they got to be up, what, 21 at this point? And somehow, you know, this was like a one-score game throughout the entire afternoon. The Bills only put up 4.1 yards per play. That is terrible. Uh, you know, th- this offense, I think, still has deeper-rooted issues uh, that, that maybe the Bills would like to admit. This is yet another just disaster day for Stephon Diggs, who's had like 10 of those in a row now, you know, after getting right. off to such a great start. Right. I, I think that's been, you know, one of the – kind of undercovered fantasy storylines of the season is that Stephon Diggs just had a massive, massive fall off. Dalton Kincaid, nice day for him. Not a great day for James Cook. You know, nobody really runs on the Patriots that much these days. He goes 16 mm-hmm. for 48, gave you negative yardage through the air. Really, it was Bailey Zappi just having an awful day that that kept, uh, kept the Bills in this game and allowed them to win. I mean, Rasul Douglas, two interceptions, uh, one of which was a pick six. Two other picks set the Bills up at the New England 14 and 21 yard line. Uh, so really, I, New England played well enough to win this game. Uh, if you just take away the turnovers, but that's kind of who they are right now with Bailey Zappi. Yeah. You just can't take away the turnovers, unfortunately. And, you know, I was going up against Josh Allen in my fantasy championship and had digs same team that, you know, I, that I had all these other guys missing. I also had to, I had to start digs, right? You can't bench him. Right. You have to, but yeah, it's just, it was ugly. I mean, it was, he wasn't even getting red zone targets. It was so frustrating. Mm. So frustrating. I kept on seeing those damn quarterback draws and they work. <laughs> Obviously, it works. You know, Allen had 44 rushing yards, two touchdowns. I got killed by Allen despite him only throwing for 169 yards. So wrong. Well, you had the two rushing touchdowns, right? Which, you know, I, I think both were, were kind of like sneak scenarios. So, obviously, if you're playing against him, that's kind of worst case. And, yeah, I'm looking at Stephon Diggs. Like, he, he's still a top 10 receiver in PPR on the season. That seems crazy to me. You know, I, I guess you know, he's, had, he's had a couple of decent touchdown games late in the season yeah. uh, that have, that have kind of boosted him, but still, I mean, it just, it certainly hasn't felt that way. I mean, he's had under 10 fantasy points in PPR leagues in four straight weeks now. Yeah. So what do you do with uh, Stefan Diggs next year? Well, it's tough because we've had so many players who were kind of in that similar level to Stefan Diggs ascend, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, AJ Brown feels like, you know, even even he's fallen off a little bit over the second half, but like I, I think you know, we feel better about him uh, than we did going into the season. Amon Ross St. Brown is a top three receiver. Obviously, Tyreek Hill. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, who's going to be a first-team All-Pro next to Tyreek, I think he's passed him up. Um, you know, DJ Moore ranks ahead of him on the season. So it's, I, I still think you have to draft Stephon Diggs as if he's going to revert back to the player that he was, you know, barring some sort of situational change. Like, assuming he comes back as the Bills' number one receiver – I, I don't really feel any differently about him. I, I just wonder how many names have passed him up, right? You know, does, does he yeah. get does he get pushed to you know closer to the middle of the second round just because of how much you know young talent there is at that position? Yeah, uh, I hot take is I I won't touch him until the third round. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe uh, give me time. I'll, I'll recover on this one here. Maybe they announce something like, oh, he's playing through this injury or something right. like that. But after this this last six week stretch, it and it may not even. I don't even think Diggs is like his skills have diminished necessarily, but something, you know, ever since the offensive coordinator change, maybe even slightly before that he got deprioritized and he just, Mm -hmm. I just can't, I can't trust. I don't know. 
And we'll see what I'll, happens. I'll be interested to see if something develops there, right? Because Stefan Diggs does not seem like the type of guy who just sits back and has eight bad weeks in a row, you know, right? If he has one bad week and we, we usually hear about it. And, right. you know, especially if Buffalo were to miss the playoffs or if they make it and fizzle out, you know, it's like, I, I don't know that Stefan Diggs, you know, just kind of goes away quietly in, in this situation. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I think we're going to hear something in the offseason on that mm-hmm. one there. But they keep winning, so he can't complain, basically, mm-hmm. is what happens here. Uh, let's share another note from our sponsors at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the get big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sounds, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun. With daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or a touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The Big Game Parties, only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right, we talked about a league loser in Stephon Diggs. How about a league winner in Kyron Williams in, in the in the L.A. Rams? And Puka Nakua while we're at it there, too. Mm-hmm. In some, many leagues, Nakua, Puka was uh, picked up. Uh, there were some leagues where he was drafted. If you had a deep enough roster you, or you drafted late enough in the season and knew that Cup was going to be out early on. But those two, they kept on delivering and delivering, and they delivered to And if you had them going your fantasy championship, mm-hmm. chances are you did pretty well. Certainly Kyron Williams the last couple of weeks. But, you know, Puka had such a massive week last week as well. Just mm-hmm. what a great year. I guess my 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 lesson here is got to be aggressive early, uh, you know, and some of these breakout guys and trust a little bit. I mean, Kyron Williams missed four weeks in the middle of the season, and he's still – the running back five uh, yep. in, in PPR leagues. And, you know, he's number two behind only McCaffrey in terms of fantasy points per game. He has been a complete league winner. Like you said, you could say the exact same thing for Puka Dekua, uh, who right now is the wide receiver five in PPR leagues. So with, with basically the meaningful portion of the fantasy season over, I mean, he's, he's been a top five guy. I, I'm fascinated to see, you know, where Dekua is going to go in drafts next year. You know, obviously it'll hopefully be a different situation where you don't know that, you know, Cooper Cup is injured. Coming into the year, I think, you know, how those guys are drafted relative to some of the other, you know, big time duos in the NFL. It's going to be really interesting. You know, Cup found his way into the end zone yesterday. It looked like he was a little banged up. Um, You know, didn't do a whole lot in the second half. This was kind of a Stafford disaster game against the Giants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I wrote that in my article. I I like the Rams. They were one of my favorite picks this week. I I liked them to cover five and a half. And I, I put in there, you know, barring a Matthew Stafford disaster game. I don't know if it was a full on disaster, but, you know, both of those picks by Stafford, these were, these are the type of throws we saw from him early in the season when he was banged up, when the Rams were struggling. And, you know, he basically played clean football for like five or six weeks in a row. And uh, you get a few of these games every year with Matthew Stafford. I think it's kind of always what, what reminds you like, all right, maybe this this is why this guy is not really in that upper, upper echelon of quarterbacks. And he's always yep. in that next year. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a bizarre game by Stafford. Other than the turnovers, uh, probably should not have been as close as it was. I mean, the Rams also gave up an 80-yard touchdown to Darius Slayton. Just a, a strange afternoon all around. And a putt return for a touchdown yeah. too. Um, that, that I mean, and then there's the resulting madness in the two point conversion uh, that, that that happened with that. I mean, this this was like the Rams tried to lose this game. They really did, but uh, they couldn't. The, the Gunnar Olszewski uh, punt return. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was tackled and he just kept on bouncing off. He went yeah. 94 yards on that. Um, and then the pass to to Barkley. I mean, yes, 
Barkley probably should have still caught it, but what a terrible find by Tyrod Taylor. I mean, not just yep. where it was, but just the, the form. It was just like he he short-armed it. I mean, a decent throw. Saquon walks in untouched. Yeah. And yeah, you, you could say Barkley should have caught it. Yeah, yeah, it was behind him. You know, it was it was a bad throw. And you know, I think even at, even at that point, if, if Barkley had been able to haul it in, he would have had to reach so far back that maybe a defender would have had time to, to come and close in. I mean, again, if Tyrod just, just throws that out there another foot, he walks in and, and the Giants probably win this game. We did get a Mason Crosby sighting, by the way, uh, who yes. came in to attempt a missing 54-yard that was not even remotely close. Like, barely even got high enough to even clear the crossbar had it made it 54 yards, and it made it, like, 38 yards. And let's not forget, he also missed an extra point. He sure there. did. And that was a big difference in this game. You know, in fact, if it, but for that missed extra point, they're not going for two on that play. They're kicking the extra point to go ahead 27-26. Um, so, yep. 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 Also, the, the, the long, the, that, that Crosby field goal attempt, right right before that, Tyrod Taylor has this really long run, like 31-yard run, Man. beautiful run. You're like, okay, the Giants are going to win this game. And then they proceed to, first of all, there's like 40 seconds left. They spike it, lose it down that way, then call a running play up the middle. Um, McVay calls a timeout because he's smart because he realizes if they fall behind, they need time to get the ball back. Meanwhile, like red zone, like Scott Hansen got that run. It's like, I don't know why the Rams are calling timeout. Well, duh. Uh, and then and then they do that. They had an incomplete pass over there. The point is, they didn't try to. They played for the 50 yard field goal. Who does this? You're right. I, I know we're in an era of great field goal kickers. Mason Crosby is not it. I mean, no. He's not. He's not. If if you have one of the five best kickers in the league, sure, maybe you're happy with that. But you see this, right. you see this all the time, right? You, you see teams get into long field goal range and be like, all right, shut it down. That's all we needed. And you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made for you know wanting to force the opponent to to burn timeouts. But I believe the Rams had three. They weren't going to use all of them anyway. Uh, you know, they ended up throwing the ball on third down. Like it was just kind of a really convoluted sequence yeah. by the New York Giants. I wasn't really sure what they were trying to accomplish. I mean. Mason Crosby's just not capable of hitting a 54-yard field goal. Like he's never, he's really never been a long-distance kicker. That certainly has not been the case in the latter stages of his career. Like he was, he was still money, you know, in in, in the 40s for Green Bay over the last few seasons. He was never, he was never the 54-yard guy. That was just, no. it, it was insane to me that the Giants made almost no effort to pick up more yardage. Yeah, I mean, granted, it, in the grand scheme of things in life, it didn't matter to the Giants. They're mm -hmm. they're five and eleven instead of six and ten, but still, just like yeah, it's just it's maddening. Uh, one other takeaway, Barkley really struggled to find room to run again. Uh, this offensive line's awful. I think I've had him overrated all year long. Uh, I, I keep having him in my top 10. And I shouldn't have. Uh, so shame on me for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'll learn on that. See, uh, it's well, maybe I won't learn on that. I mean, I've had all year and I still didn't. But uh, anyhow, uh, any other takes from this game before we move on? Not much. I wouldn't beat yourself too much uh, on Barkley. I mean, great player. Bad system. Um, he's still going to finish as a borderline top 10 running back in terms of average fantasy points per game. Obviously, he missed some time early in the year uh, that, that will knock down his overall you know, cumulative ranking. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't beat yourself up over over Saquon. Everybody loves him. It's just you know about as bad of a situation as it gets. Yeah, it is. It is. Arizona beating Philly 35-31. Upset of the day. Boy, oh, boy. Philly's got some issues. Their, their fan base is just so irate all the time. Um, it, honestly, though, I mean, they just went to the Super Bowl last year. I know they've had a tough stretch, but this is a team that's eleven and five still. I, I, I'd love to be eleven and five and be upset, but yes, I, at the same time, there are some real problems on this Eagles team. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the way you phrased it is, is interesting, right? I mean, in order to get upset, you have to be a front-running type of team. You have to to be the team that other people want to knock off. And, I mean, this was this was pretty shocking, even by Eagle standards. I, mm-hmm. I did not see them losing this game straight up. I was on Arizona to cover, but, you know, it, it's I kind of thought it would play out like many Cardinals games have this season where, you know, they're, they're putting up yardage, they can, they can pile in some garbage time points, but they're never really threatening to win the game. That was not the case here at all. I mean, Arizona down – Marquise Brown, by the way, who is, you know, not only out, but also on IR and not going to play yep. next week. Uh, no, Arizona did nothing but, you know, score touchdowns in the second half. Four consecutive touchdown drives to end this game for Arizona. Uh, this was, to me, an alarming performance by the Eagles defense. You know, the Cardinals had the ball for almost 40 minutes. It was This was the seventh highest time of possession that any team has put up this season. It was the highest since week 12 when Buffalo held the ball for over 40 minutes on this Eagles defense. They gave up 449 yards, 6.2 yards per play the Cardinals ran 25 more plays than the Eagles did uh, again closed with four straight touchdown drives James Conner ran all over the Eagles uh, again on a day when you're, you're down your number one receiver you, you kind of know exactly what you need to do to stop the Cardinals and I, I think you know people could talk about Jalen Hurts not playing as well as last year and you know some inconsistency with, with the Eagles running game but to me the defense is what's ultimately going to sink this team in the playoffs yeah it, I, I I agree I agree I mean the, the the thing is, it was at one point it was just their secondary, right? You know, yeah. that they had a really, really struggled against the pass. Now, Arizona, who is Arizona, ran for 221 yards against them, averaging five and a half yards per mm-hmm. carry. Connor was gashing them. Michael Carter looked good. Um, go figure, Michael Carter getting out from a terrible offensive regime uh, looks decent. He also had a touchdown reception, too, in this game. Carter's one of those guys I've always been interested in. I always thought that he was maybe yeah. a better player better player than given credit for. Um, so I don't know. I just, that's something I'm going uh, to watch next year to see what happens, see what happens to Connor. If he sticks in Arizona, because Carter looks like someone I could be interested in down the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven straight games now where the Eagles defense has given up hundred yards on the ground. I mean, this was, this was arguably their worst defensive performance of the entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, EPA would say it was the San Francisco game. This is a pretty close second, uh, you know, 221 rushing yards as a team, 449 total yards, uh, just pretty, pretty unbelievable performance uh, by the Eagles. And, you know, they're, they're, they got the Giants next week. They should win that game. It's ultimately pretty meaningless for both sides. But, you know, I, I think Philly's kind of out of opportunities to, to build momentum going yep. into the postseason. And, I, you know, I'm not going to write this team off. Like you said, they were in the Super Bowl a year ago. They still have, you know, in my opinion, one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, some of the best offensive playmakers in the league. Like, I don't think we can just, you know, write them off and, and say, all right, this isn't their year, but you know, they've let the division lead slip. If Dallas wins next week, you know, they, they will lock up the NFC East and the two seed. Pretty amazing. And, you know, right. And I mean, the nice thing for Philly is you get the five, you still get Tampa Bay or Atlanta or New Orleans, whichever team is, is going to uh, end up reluctantly accepting the NFC North crown. Um, so I, I, I still think there's a path there, but you know, you're also you're setting yourself up for a date with the Niners at some point, and I, I just you know, we've seen that once already. I don't think it's going to go any better. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So uh, trouble, trouble in Philly for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devonta Smith got hurt in this game too. That's something we're going to be watching. Um, they called it a mild ankle sprain this morning, so I, I think it looked maybe a little worse yesterday than the than the testing has now revealed. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, you know, yeah, I I wonder if they'll hold him out in this game. Or if they'll mm-hmm. uh, if they'll uh, play him uh, against the uh, against the Giants next week, there um, be interesting to see what they do on this one here. They have meaning because they could they still could get the second seed. They could right. be a wild card, and 
I, I'll say this, whoever wins the NFC South, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, I, I don't trust Philly even against that, those fraud teams. I mean, if you can't win at home against Arizona and you give up 450 yards to that offense, yeah, anything is on the table here, right? And you know, yep. we'll, we'll talk about Tampa Bay, who to me had one of the bigger letdown games uh, of the season, oh, honestly, given how well they played over the last couple of weeks. And you know, I think to me, that's still the team of that group that I probably don't want to play. I I don't I don't know if any NFC South team should be in. Like you should just maybe this is the year where we just say, all right, you know, we'll just give a bye to whatever team gets the five seed. Like nobody deserves this. Yeah, but the problem is, who else do you put? Yeah, you know, is there more deserving that's going to get left out? Minnesota. I mean, we'll get uh, to that too. Well, but they're frauds too. I mean, they're, they're everybody's yeah. a fraud. Yeah. Um, what's not a fraud is Wisconsin just going 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 to the downs there with a long first a big stop on fourth down now a long touchdown so they're up fourteen nothing on uh, LSU so there you go but you're right um, so there you go uh, let's move on talk about said fraud NFC South teams because they are fraudulent we already talked about Carolina I mean they're at least they're legit bad we know that we don't have to worry about that but Tampa Bay what a big egg did they lay today I mean I mean yesterday I mean that. From a fantasy standpoint, as ter- and just terms of like not being competitive at all mm-hmm. in this game, I I'm gonna have to do the rewatch later today. I'm gonna force myself to do. I might I might Don't wait till it. tomorrow, but because <laughs> you know, first of all, there are ten games going on at once at once in the early slate. Really hard to track it all unless you're like you and at a, at a sports book. And even then, oh. watching everything, it's not like you have like you know you're a fly and you have ten different lenses on your eyes that right. you could watch, but. It's tough. Red zone does not do justice when there's so many games going on. I do want to give a shout out to the great staff uh, at Potawatomi. They they came up to us like, "Hey, what games do you want on?" And I, yeah, you know, I, I had to say the words. I would like to put the Panthers Jaguars game on the TV. And the guys like, um, "All right, well, you know, you, you are a customer here, uh, <laughs> but no, we, you are right. I mean, even even having you know eight TVs in front of you, you, you kind of miss things here and there. We still had a red zone stream going just in case. Uh, this was a game that didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, on those no. those televisions. And, you know, Tampa Bay had opportunities here. I mean, this was a, a pretty disastrous game by Baker Mayfield, a uh, pretty disastrous game by by their offense in general. You know, had a couple big-time turnovers, two picks from Baker Mayfield. Rashad White had a, a fumble late where he just basically dropped the ball on the sideline. And the, the game kind of felt wrapped up at that point. But that was, you know, kind of a drive where if Tampa Bay scored, uh, it would have at least, you know, made forced New Orleans to do something. Uh, but, but the Buccaneers, I mean, they averaged seven yards per play. Like, they didn't. They didn't play poorly in general. They just could not finish drives. They were two of eight on third down. They converted their only fourth down attempt on the day. Uh, but I, I just came away from this one like, like, like basically every New Orleans Saints win this season. They have eight of them. You never come away and be like, wow, that's a great team. It was just like, well, they played slightly less worse than the other team. Yeah. I'd say like the Colts game was the one game where they actually put a stamp out there and looked like they yeah. were really good. Uh, so many other ones. Yeah, it's just like, ugh. And this was one of them. Baker Mayfield might have had the worst 300-yard, two-touchdown game I've seen. You know, all these yards came late. I mean, there, there was a long play to Trey Palmer for the touchdown. Then there was the long play to Trey Palmer where he fumbled without contact. Uh, just, I mean, what Great a Great catch by Trey Palmer. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, there was two defenders trailing him, went to the ground. The ground can cause a fumble uh, in that scenario when you're not touched. Yep. So between that one and the Rashad White fumble, I, I want to say those were, I don't know if they were back-to-back drives or maybe two, two and three drives. I mean, that's really what what was the difference maker for Tampa Bay. Like they were moving the ball fairly consistently. They didn't they didn't get a whole lot going on the ground, but Baker was moving it. They just again sloppy turnovers. I mean, four turnovers on the day. You're not winning. You're not really beating any team in the NFL. Not even the Saints in that situation. Uh, you know, we saw Jamal Williams 
uh, arguably his best game, one of his highest value games of the season, 19 carries for 58 yards. I don't really have a whole lot else here. I mean, if you, if you started Jawan Johnson in your fantasy final, congratulations. That was a big one, eight for 90 and a touchdown. Your guy, Taysom Hill, caught a touchdown from Derek Carr. Yes, of course. Um, but, I, you know, it, was, it was just not a good Olave, game. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I I was all over Olave, over four and a half catches. That was one of my favorite props of the week. He had three early, did absolutely nothing in the second half. Yep. Alvin Kamara got you to the fantasy playoffs, and then two weeks in a row did very little. And of course, he got yep. hurt. Uh, and didn't come back after halftime. Um, but Jamal Williams, like you said, kind of, I mean, he averaged three yards a carry. I mean, he was just, he was just a plotter, but that's all they needed just to try to hold on to the lead. Um, they had the weird two point conversion rolled back that maybe it was going to be, you know, a little closer there, but now I, I did have Godwin going in NFFC. So getting that late touchdown from him was nice. Mike Evans got you to the fantasy championship game and then he did very little. And it wasn't even Marshawn Lattimore. He had that long catch earlier. So I know, okay, it's going to be a Mike Evans day. Yep. And then he ended up three for 70. Yeah, really disappointing. But I mean, still a, a monster season for Mike Evans, which no, I mean, nobody was expecting him to be a top 10 fantasy receiver. I think a lot of people thought he'd be outside the top 20, top 25, right? I mean, I, I think this was kind of the, all right, you know, we'll, we'll see the big decline uh, as Mike Evans, you know, reaches that stage in his career. And I mean, you talk about a good time to have this season as you're heading into free agency. Like I, yeah, you know, I, I think it, it, he kind of felt like he, this season could have gone either way, right? It wouldn't have yep. been shocking, uh, yep. you know, if he moved into a different phase of his career. He's, you know, he's kind of in like the Julio Jones. He's signing one-year deals. He's jumping around. I think there's going to be a bidding war now for Mike Evans, and it, it gets really interesting, especially if he's willing, you know, to take a you know a one or a two-year deal or something that includes an opt-out. I mean, there there are like, half the league right now would love to sign Mike Evans uh, to to even a relatively high-dollar contract. Like I, I think he's proved that he's worth it. You know, a team like Jacksonville, a team like, I don't know, Green Bay, you know, you're kind of looking for, you know, that 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 final piece in a receiving quarter. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he lands. Yeah. And he, he's certainly going to land somewhere else. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that you're going to see the, uh, the, the, the Bucks be uh, able to sign him after this, but we'll see. I, I, I've been wrong before. Could be wrong again. We'll see about that one there. But uh, let's move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, before we move on to, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, uh, before we move on in the next game, let's uh, do a quick note from our friends at Odds Are. Are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two-week free trial at OddsR.com, where cutting-edge AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our pr- our proven two-year track record, boost boasting a 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The Odds Are AI, Odds Are AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value, green-value plays guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The odds are app is exceptionally user-friendly crafted to be your go-to betting advisor right at your finger trips. Jumpstart your journey to betting smarter and more successfully. Simply visit the iOS or Google play store, download the odds are app and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two week free trial. Download today where smart strategy triumphs over luck. Also we're on the blue wire network here are their ads we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right. Thank you for your indulgence. Thanks to our sponsors for uh, being with us here. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's, what's the next game we want to hit here? Uh, we, we cover the NFC South. Um, done with that. Oh, no, we haven't. We're not oh, quite. Yeah, we have Falcons Bears, Falcons. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Falcons Bears. Bears are one of the feel good stories. They're, they're like, you know, a lot of the season usually ends for everybody in, a dis- in disappointment, except for the Super Bowl winner. And maybe a few good, maybe a team that unexpectedly made the playoffs, made a great run. Uh, and then there's like the that that one or two teams last year, the Lions didn't make the playoffs, but they came out, they finished strong. I feel like the Bears are in the finish strong category. I, I think the Bears might be like a borderline good team. This is crazy. Yes. Right. I mean, early on, they, they started 0-4, they get blown out in week one in this big game where everybody's expecting the Bears to take a step forward. And you know, they have that disaster game against Kansas City, and you're just thinking, here we go again. And like you said, I, I think, you know, they're not making the playoffs. We've known that for a month now. Uh, but I, I, like one other team that's not making the playoffs feels better about their direction right now than the Bears. And obviously there's this huge question hanging over this franchise of, okay, we still need to decide on our quarterback. And given your history, if you're Chicago, it's dicey. It feels like you're going to make the wrong call no matter what. But it's also not the worst position to be in. You know, you're either yeah. drafting a quarterback that everybody loves in Caleb Williams or Drake May, or you're, you're running it back with Justin Fields, you're – likely signing him to what should be a fairly friendly deal. And you have all this draft capital to build around him. So even though you're kind of terrified, and, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, you're in a pretty good spot if you're the Bears. And, you know, the defense, I think, has made good on the Montez sweat trade, which everybody made fun of, myself included. I still don't really love the value, but that feels like, you know, a flip has been or a switch has been flipped since that trade was made. You know, they're, they're one of the three best defenses in the NFL over the second half of the season. And you know, they banked wins over Detroit. You know, that Arizona win last week actually looks pretty decent in light of what they've done. Um, I, I think this is a franchise that is trending in the right direction. And, you know, they, they've kind of eliminated, Jeff, the like just bearsy plays that you get week to week, right? Where you're always just waiting for this like catastrophic interception or something. Like Justin Fields, 
we can still quibble about whether or not he's the guy, but I think he's made real strides. I, I really do. And this offense has this offense has, has looked very unbears like uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah, it has. Um, I and I at least with Montez Sweat, I still think it was a, the wrong trade. But they, they credit the Bears for at least getting the extension. Um, that's not part of the trade, by the way. I mean, it wasn't like conditioned to the trade. They did get it done though. They, they used that window and they did well to get them extended. So there is that, um, Justin Fields. I think it is come. I, I, I'm dumb. I think they should keep fields. Uh, and, but I could see it too. I mean, Caleb Williams could be like a generational guy. Yeah. That's the thing that's so kind of scary. It's so tough. I think the question is, if you're the bears, it, yeah. How terrified are you if you trade Justin Fields? You trade him to, I don't know, Atlanta. Are you are you terrified that in three years people are going to look back and say, "Oh my goodness, could you believe they traded him?" And it's almost you know like a Brett Favre going to Green Bay situation. Like how how concerned are you that he would blossom elsewhere? That's what it comes down to, right? Because you, yeah. you're not guaranteed anything with Caleb Williams, and that's something that I think is a little bit of a fallacy when people talk about this. Is like, oh man, it's Caleb Williams, generational talent. Like I love Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be good. There is just no possible way to know, right? There's like we've we've seen guys who feel like can't miss prospects, not play well. We've seen guys who don't, you know, have major holes in their prospect profile, turn into great quarterbacks. There's just there's no guarantee either way if you're the Bears. And I mean, how much does it matter to you as well what you can get for Fields? Like, can you get a first round pick for Justin Fields? Um, yeah, that, that, I think you can, but it, it's so interesting. Too. I think you can, but he's going to start to become expensive though, too, right? Right. Um and. You'll have to make that you're you're passing that decision on to somebody else, right? And that, that that's that's the other tricky part there. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's a tough call. Um, yeah. By the way, Chicago we... did lock up the number one pick by virtue of Carolina losing. So yeah, they will pick number one. And I mean, they've won what four of their last six. They're seven and nine. So as of right now, they have the tenth overall pick. But there's still a lot of movement that'll take place there uh, in week eighteen. I think I, I believe they could fall as far as like to the fifteenth pick. Uh, if they win and, and some other teams, you know, end up losing around them. Right. Exactly. Meanwhile, Atlanta wasn't interested in Lamar. Oops. Um, th- that to me is like, who knows? Lamar may never have even wanted to sign with them. And yeah. Arthur Smith might've ruined him too. Who knows? But my God, they've got big problems at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they have no solution there. Um, and they've got a, this is just a, it's a painful team to watch every single week. Heineke looked terrible outside of a few nice scrambles uh, to, to kind of set them up. I mean, the Falcons started with two missed field goals on their first two possessions. Like yep. usually when a team does that, you just, you just know where that game is headed. Uh, the Jags did that a couple of weeks ago and it's always like a harbinger of a disaster game. Yep. Uh, outside of a Tyler Algier 75 yard touchdown on a screen pass. That was pretty much it for the Atlanta offense. Mm. Uh, I and mean, this was really all about Chicago. DJ Moore had a big game. Khalil Herbert had a big game. Uh, Bears put up over 430 yards of total offense. And, and like you said, we ended up seeing some Desmond Ritter in the second half and Atlanta has no options here. I, I was wrong on Heineke. You know, I, I wasn't claiming he was going to you know step in and be a great quarterback. I thought he would be a notable upgrade over Desmond Ritter. I was calling for this earlier in the season. He's better in some ways, but you know, he's almost equally mistake prone at this point. And it just doesn't feel like either of them is giving them any juice. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. And, and so, and I think there's like 15 franchises that could, you know, really want Atlanta could be one of those teams that's trading up for uh, that, that number one spot. They're one of 15 teams that needs a quarterback, right? Maybe mm-hmm. 10. I don't know, but the, what the real number is. I saw a graphic uh, uh, watching, I think it was 
I think it was uh, the Bengals game, actually, where they showed it, uh, where uh, it was a CBS graphic. They showed the 16 starting quarterbacks in the AFC this past week. 11 of them weren't play- weren't starting this week, either by injury Crazy. or or demotion. Um, and that's just the AFC. There's like 60 starting quarterbacks this year. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's completely insane. We talk about it on this pod, on, on the radio show all the time, and it just it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. Um, yeah, that, I think that's the... I'm always sad at the end of the NFL season. I'm also, in this case, happy to kind of reset and yeah. you know, hopefully get to next year and have better quarterback luck. And it's it's going to be really interesting. You know, I know we'll we'll have pods, you know, throughout the offseason talking about the draft and whatnot. But you, know, you mentioned how many teams are quarterback needy. I mean, there are like seven or eight teams that imminently need a quarterback, like to start next season. And there's also like four or five teams that you could make a case, you know, could draft a quarterback for the future, right? Um, yeah. And then some teams that could go either way, like the New York Giants. Like you just signed Daniel Jones, but do you really feel that good about it? I don't know. Uh, you know, a team like the Jets could be looking in the future. Obviously, you have Aaron Rodgers for the next year or two, but who knows beyond that? I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating, right? And, you know, I think there's already three quarterbacks that we know are probably going in the top five. I'm going to be interested to see how many end up being pushed up the board just because of how uniquely quarterback needy this this year is going to be. Yeah, and how it's a – at least the perception is how it's a good quarterback class too. Right. Um, and unlike the Kenny Pickett year, you know, for yeah. instance, there, this is, this is the opposite of that. I can assure yes. you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one of the teams that's quarterback needy is the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to jump to the Sunday night game here. Uh, the, seeing what we saw out of Jaron Hall, how crazy was it to start him? I mean, we gave Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit Yeah, and he looked not at all ready for prime time. It, to me, it almost felt like overreactionary to to some of the turnovers that Nick Mullins had last week. Like you, you saw yeah. Kevin O'Connell, you know, get, kind of getting on Mullins last mm-hmm. week, and that's just not something you see from O'Connell. He's not really that fiery of a guy. Right. And that that kind of stuck with me, and you just wonder if that was kind of a hasty decision. And obviously, we saw Nick Mullins uh, come in in the second half last night and you know look marginally better than Jaron Hall. But no, I was I was shocked by that decision. You know, I was telling you on the show last week, like I really liked Minnesota when I thought Nick Mullins was starting this game because. Yes, he's mistake prone. Yes, he could throw four interceptions in any given week. It's also the Packers defense, right? It's like this is this is the week where somebody like that I think could succeed. You could win a game, you know, 33 to 30, just like the Packers did last week against Carolina. And I, I think, you know, I was open to the Jaron Hall experience. Nobody really knew what he was going to look like. It could have gone well. I thought there was a much better chance that it went poorly like it did last night. But yeah, it was it was a really strange decision by a Minnesota team that has a lot on the line, right? It's a, it's not like yeah. you're the Chargers here and you're 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 you've been eliminated for two weeks. Like I I I don't know. I, to me, Nick Mullins very clearly gave you the best chance, and maybe you keep him on a short leash. I, I thought it was a, a strange decision, and obviously that's what led to this game getting away from Minnesota within like three drives. Exactly. Exactly. And you could just see right away, like, oh, gosh, this is bad. They, they even showed, like, in the second quarter, there was a throw where the ball basically slipped from Hall as he's trying to throw, and they 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 panned the, uh, Kevin O'Connell, and you just see him wince, and you're just like, yeah. oh, boy, what? I, it was like arrested development. I've made a huge mistake. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know exactly the play you're talking about. It was a bizarre, you know, camera angle to, to kind of see that ball just like hovering around out there. Uh, great. I mean, you got to give credit to Green Bay as well. And, and Jordan yeah. Love, who I, I think is, you know, quietly having a much better statistical season than, than a lot of people would expect. Uh, I've already seen the Jordan Love versus Lamar Jackson stat comparisons this oh, morning. I, I don't know if people are caping for him to win MVP, but he's got 30 touchdowns, yeah. 11 picks. On the season, you know, he's, he's in all likelihood going to eclipse 4,000 yards uh, on the year next week. So I think 
we've been saying it all year. Like the the one goal above all else for Green Bay, whether they end up getting in, whether they win a wild card game or, or miss the playoffs altogether, the one thing you needed coming out of the season was to know is Jordan Love the guy or not. And I, I, again, I think it's about as definitive as it could be right now. Yeah, absolutely. I and you know the thing is, Joe Barry's still probably super fired, but you know yes. he. Even with this performance, uh, even in the second half, I got to say, Packers played well against Mullins too, but it's still against Nick Mullins. I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like it was, oh, well, hey, we brought in Kirk Cousins and we shut him down. No, no. No, I, I I was watching the game with a bunch of Packers fans last night and the, the Joe Barry thing was brought up and like people people were hoping that the Vikings like put up some garbage time points just so it didn't look like it was a good <laughs> defensive game for the Packers. Like that's that's where we're at now. It's like people will, people want teams to score just so Joe Barry is fired. But no, I think he's got to be gone. I, I think that is if you're Packers management and I know they're a uniquely managed team. I think you got to tell Matt LaFleur like, hey, man, we like you. If you're not willing to fire him, then you're out too. like it, it's gotten that bad. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't, maybe, yeah, maybe you can say, we don't, you don't have to fire him, but we will, you know, it could be that. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, if, you, if you're coming back, he's not coming back with you. I mean, it's, it's done. Um, I, I read this morning, Minnesota was pressured on exactly 50% of its dropbacks. Uh, that's the highest rate that they've been pressured and the highest rate that the Packers have pressured any team this season. It certainly felt like it. Uh, obviously Jaden Reed, fantastic last mm-hmm. night. Uh, you talk about a league winner, a guy who was going undrafted in the vast majority of leagues. He had another big day. Every every time he's healthy, he has a big day at this point. And then we had the Bo Melton game out of nowhere. Six for 105. The first 100-yard receiver all season for the Green Bay Packers, Bo Melton. That stat right there is one that you could have got fooled me with for sure. Um, that That's amazing. Jaden Reed got hurt in this game too. So that's something to watch yeah. for with the chest injury. Um, and he, he's been he missed last week, obviously. He was kind of limited. It's going to be your basic limited practice again this week. I'm going to have so much fun updating the Packers mm-hmm. receivers in the value meter this week. Let me tell you, love 18, week 18 value meters, by the way. Super fun to do. Um, so yeah, uh, it'll be fun. But uh, Aaron Jones also looked good, by the way. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something that I, I think is obvious when you watch this Packers team, just how how different they look when Aaron Jones is out there and when Aaron Jones is healthy. And we've seen we've seen like kind of varying versions of Aaron Jones. Like he's he's there's been games where he kind of feels like he's not 100 percent. They're like kind of weirdly limiting his snaps. Sometimes Matt LaFleur just seems to forget uh, that he's active. This was not one of those nights. I mean, 20 for 120 with a long of 25 for Aaron Jones. Didn't do a whole lot. You know, had just one catch out of the backfield. But I, I think, you know, talent-wise, in terms of team impact, I mean, he's one of the five or six best running backs in the NFL, and, you know, it might not be long for Green Bay at this point, but uh, they're a completely different team when he's in the lineup. Uh, you know, when, when A.J. Dillon only has to touch the ball seven times, that is a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Pittsburgh-Seattle, another game that had a lot of meaning. Pittsburgh, coming back to life again. Mike Tomlin, another winning season. Defies all odds again. They're playing their best football now, of course. Uh, go to Seattle and beat Seattle at Seattle. Uh, what else would you expect uh, from, from the Pittsburgh Steelers in this spot, right? Every every year when you're ready to write them off, they they seem to do this. I mean, like you said, 17 straight seasons now of 500 or better for Mike Tomlin uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Seattle plays the Cardinals next week. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting game. They, they obviously need to win that and now need some help uh, after yeah. dropping this one. Mason Rudolph, 18 of 24, 274 yards. No touchdowns. More importantly, no picks. Uh, I I think you and I pinpointed this on the on the XM show last week as a good spot for the Pittsburgh Steelers running backs. That's really what this was about. I mean, Seattle, Seattle's had trouble over the last few weeks stopping the run. And it it happened yet again. I mean, both Jalen Warren 
and Najee Harris uh, each had, you know, two of their best games of the entire year. I mean, Najee Harris, 27 for 122, two touchdowns. Both of those were hard fought, you know, ripping through tackles around the goal line. Jalen Warren, 13 for 75. Another big game for George Pickens as well. I I still don't really believe in Pittsburgh. I, I don't think they've really discovered anything. I, I, st- I, don't even, I wouldn't even say they're like a dangerous team right now. But, you know, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. Every single year, he finds a way. There, there's not a single coach in the NFL who's been this consistent. It's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and now they, you know, this game that they get against the Ravens in week 18, they're probably not going to have to face Lamar. Um, yeah. They, you know, they, 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 they're positioning themselves to have a chance to make the playoffs. Now the problem for them is they've lost to both straight up to both Indy and Houston. So they're going to need some help, yeah. but still, Hey, this is, this has been a heck of a turnaround and just not having Trubisky there. I mean, I think they lose this week for sure if they have Trubisky playing, and maybe who knows what happens last week. But I think they probably lose last because you know Rudolph unlocked uh, George Pickens two right. weeks in a row now. George Pickens has had good games. I, nobody's questioned the talent with George Pickens. They're really, really this entire you know set of skill position players for Pittsburgh. I, I like a lot of these guys, right? I mean, Najee yeah. Harris, Jalen Warren. That's a really nice backfield tandem. George Pickens. Everybody understands the talent. Deontay Johnson. You know, he's kind of been a, a lower end number one. You know, high end number two type of guy. Pat Fryermuth, like it, it's not like they're devoid of talent. They just have not right. had the quarterback play over the last couple of years for these guys to reach their potential. And, you know, I'm not saying Mason Rudolph is the guy going forward. I, I think the Steelers have some much bigger questions to answer at that position going forward. But, you know, credit to them for for making this decision, right? I, I think yeah. it, I think they were reluctant to finally go to Mason Rudolph, but we'll see what happens next week. It may have saved their season. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see how you can pivot away from him this no. last week. I mean, I know Pickett is the long-term guy still for them, probably. He's got to get at least one more year before they decide not to at least, but uh, at the same time, yeah, pretty good for them. So now Seattle needs help. They they're, they're, they're playing poor defense at the wrong time. Uh, And Arizona, who knows? Arizona's weird. They'll come. They they came out fighting this week, but they've come out laying down some other weeks. I I don't know what to make out of Arizona this week. So we'll see about that. They're like the last team you want to play in week 18. I feel like, right. I mean, that's like, that's like a nightmare, you know, berserker team, nothing to lose at this point. You know, they're, they're basically locked into, uh, you know, picking third or fourth. Yeah. I I would not want to play the Cardinals right now. Yeah. I agreed. Houston, Tennessee is the game that popped up least on, uh, on red zone. I think uh, this past week, Houston stays alive in the playoff hunt. Big win for them, but kind of a disappointing fantasy game. I was like, CJ Stroud had all these early yards, and I'm thinking, okay. And I used him actually in uh in DraftKings this week. And to my chagrin, because there were others that did much better. Uh only one touchdown pass, had had the 213 yards, but eh, could you know, wanted a little bit more. Uh Nico Collins got there yardage wise, but didn't score. It was Brevin Jordan that got the score. There were no rushing touchdowns in this one. Well, you know, that, that defensive score actually kind of like pretty much yeah. ended the fantasy game aspect of this game. Yeah, that was Sheldon Rankins, uh, you know, sack six on on Will Levis, or I don't even know if it was Tannehill. Honestly, we, we saw both of them. They were both uh terrible. You know, Levis only uh only attempted six passes before going out. Tannehill was sacked five times. You remember when these teams played a couple of weeks ago, Will Levis was sacked seven times. You know, like the, yep. the Houston defense continues to play above its level, but it's been uniquely great, uh, you know, getting to these Titans quarterbacks who've just been battered in both of these matchups. Like you said, ended up being a disappointing fantasy day. You know, Nico Collins hit the over-unders receptions prop. That's great. You know, DeAndre Hopkins had an okay day. Mm -hmm. That was about it. You know, Derrick Henry didn't go 16 carries for nine yards this time, but it wasn't a whole lot better. 12 for 42. Devin Singletary, 16 for 80. 
Uh, but just, you know, CJ Stroud coming back, looking like himself, making it through this game healthy. I think that's the biggest thing uh, if you're the Houston Texans. And this, you know, now sets up a, a win and in loser go home scenario in Indy next week, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. And that'll, that'll be a night game. Yeah, it will be. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, they, you know, they, they could win the division still, still possible, or they, you know, the, hey, the loser. And the loser. All right. We're not, we're not putting that energy out there. Okay. And, and the loser. Right. And, and the loser's out, basically, too. Yep. Uh, that's the other thing that's uh interesting dynamic in that one. So let's talk a little Indy and Vegas here while we're at it. Another game that was kind of meh, uh, fantasy-wise, Indy jumped them early uh, and then had to hang on for dear life. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Colts did not do a whole lot uh, You know, after putting up a couple of touchdowns in the first half. Uh, this is one of many games that had a, a really quick second half. You know, not very many possessions. Overall, you know, some long drives that didn't really yield a whole lot in terms of fantasy. Three straight field goal drives for the Colts to to continue to hold on to that lead. Uh, Raiders put up a touchdown with, I think, under a minute or a a little over. Um, I'm completely losing my spot. Okay, 43 seconds left is when they finally punched that one in. On a fourth and goal, by the way, it made that a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. Came down to uh, an onside kick scenario, and obviously the Colts were able to get that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 21 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. To take that, uh, you know, Trey Sermon, Tyler Goodson were the other guys that, that backed him up. But it was really, you know, it's like 90% of the carries were on Jonathan Taylor. We did not see Josh Jacobs uh, took that decision, you know, relatively close to kickoff yesterday morning. Ended up being a Zamir White day. Nice day for Devontae Adams, 13 for 126 and two touchdowns. I thought Aiden O'Connell actually played fairly well. Like, I had no idea what we were going to get out right. of the Raiders. Like, we, we've seen, like, every possible variation uh, to the extremes over the last few weeks. And I, I thought he actually looked okay. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to have to, this is not one that was, I was watching a lot of, it wasn't a main screen yeah. or even a secondary screen. So I'll, I'll come back. Like when I saw the, the, the Devonte Adams line, I was shocked Yeah, at, at wh- how, like what a big day he had. I know he scored, but then like 13 for 126. Really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so that, that's going to be one I'm going to go back and rewatch. But I mean, talk about a guy who, you know, last week in the, against the chiefs, he had like four yards this week. Right. 13 126. So uh go figure. Yeah. I mean, Aiden O'Connell had zero yards over the final three quarters last week. You know, yeah. and obviously they they put up 63 the week before that. And then they were shut out by Minnesota the week before that. So you know, there, we had every possible sample. And I, I thought this came in as a an above average uh afternoon for Aiden O'Connell, given you know what, what the possibilities were. I mean, 370 total yards for the Raiders. That, that they're not a team that that you know puts up 350 plus very regularly. No, they're not. They're not. So Zamir White, I mean, I had him in my top 15. He got over 100 yards from scrimmage, but he couldn't punch it in. Uh, and that that was kind of a killer, you know, if, yeah. you had, if you started him in a fantasy format there. If you use the free square in DFS on him, um, you know, th- these are things that, uh, yeah, you did all right, but mm-hmm. you would have liked a little bit more. He's fine in cash games, not good in tournaments. Um, let's move on. Um, not too many other games left. I've been kind of skipping around here, trying yeah. to find games with meaning. Uh, and. and we oh Niners and Commanders haven't talked about them at all. Uh, big big for the Niners. A uh, couple, you know. First of all, clinching number one seed. There is like zero percent chance that you're going to see McCaffrey this week, given he, that he left with an injury. That's the one we're going to be like kind of scared about. But now he at least has three weeks to kind of recover. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, obviously, you know, Philly losing is something that San Francisco was keeping an eye on, and you know, it's also big for. 
uh, you know, teams like Seattle and, and Green Bay next week because, mm-hmm. you know, this becomes now a, a much better spot, you would think, for the L.A. Rams, uh, who are four-and-a-half-point dogs, which is interesting. So, uh, you know, they're, they're you know, a team that's obviously in the playoffs as well and, and could rest. So that's going to be a really tough game, I think, to predict. I have no idea who's going to play, who's not going to play. Would probably stay away from it, you know, DFS-wise because you wonder if you know, some players start and, and don't finish the game. As far as this game against Washington, you know, certainly felt like, San Francisco dominated it more than a 17 point result. Uh, it was like 10, 10 at one point in the second quarter. You're like, how is this possible? It feels like, it feels like every time they're flashing to this game, the Niners are ripping off a big play, but uh, overall, this is kind of what the commanders do. You know, they did not plan to start Sam Howell this week. Uh, it was supposed to be Jacoby Brissett. who somehow ended up inactive for this game. Uh, but this was one where, you know, the 49ers just didn't play all that well, took care of business. And even when they put forth a B minus C plus effort and CFC gets hurt, you can still beat a team like the Commanders by three scores. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, Niners got stuffed on a fourth down, so that yep. c- it could have been a bigger blowout in that respect. Uh, I and by the way, the Brissett thing. I have I, I'm a conspiracy theorist on this one here. I have a feeling that you know because th- th- the reporting was oh he report you know Brissett reported to the team on Thursday that he had a hamstring had a hamstring tightness. Mm-hmm. I think they were told they they I think the Riverboat Ron was told to start Hal. I really I think. It was one of those like you will lose this game. Yeah, you know, well, it's like I don't think they were in danger of winning this game no matter what, uh, which, right. which is one way to look at it. But you're right. I mean, they have real, real implications in terms of draft positioning. I mean, there are three yeah. teams right now that are four and twelve: Washington, New England, and Arizona. And Washington has the the quote unquote tiebreaker here. And you know, maybe maybe you're doing this to to kind of set up Week 18. I mean, they they do not want to win uh, against Dallas. I mean, we no. th- that could be the difference between having an opportunity to land a franchise quarterback and not. And yes. obviously, we know Washington. What's that worse than anything else? So in all likelihood, they're going to end the season on an eight-game losing streak. Yeah, because Arizona doesn't necessarily want that with Kyler in his long-term right. deal because they're not going to be able to trade that contract. That Well, I say that, and I've seen other yeah. trades happen that you know surprise me, so we'll see about that. But I've seen plenty of other long-term – You know, I, I, I see at least they have a quarterback, whether they think it's their franchise quarterback or not is, is, is for debate, but Washington does not and New England does not. Um, that is, that is clear. So yeah, I can see that there happening. Elijah Mitchell looked good in relief of, uh, McCaffrey. If you're playing in week 18, he's a priority pickup. Although I don't know if he has Trent Williams blocking for him next week. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, so they must get the Rams this week. Yep. And you know, this is, this is a matchup of two teams that are pretty much set Rams clinched a playoff spot. And the only yep. question for the Rams is, are they the six or the seven? Uh, the Niners are the one. We could see a lot of starters on both teams hitting this one out. Right. Yeah, we could. And, you know, I, I think if you're the Rams, you there's enough on the line here that you probably want to hold on to the six, right? I mean, maybe, maybe you just kind of play the matchup game and it doesn't matter all that much. I mean, to me, I would rather, I'd rather go to Detroit than go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where the Rams come in on that because they, it, it, you know, if Green Bay ends up winning uh, against Chicago this week and the Rams lose, the Packers would actually jump to the six by virtue of having beat the Rams. Right straight up in green Bay. So it, to me, it just depends. Do the Rams actually care about that? Do they prioritize health? You know, like we mentioned earlier, it looked like Cooper cup got a little bit banged up, uh, you know, late in that game. And obviously they're going to be a team that's conservative in that respect, but we have a few, I mean, these games are impossible to predict, right? These week 18, you know, yeah. meaningless slash somewhat meaningful for one team or the other. It's like good luck guessing the spreads this week, because some of them, you know, kind of make no sense until you start to dig into the details. Yeah. I listen, listen, his newsletter was talking, there's a difference between eliminated and not, not caring. 
not right. caring. I think the teams that are set in their spot are the one, you know, those top four teams. Those are the ones that you said, and you already alluded to the one line there with the chiefs and chargers going to be that way. Uh, that that's, that's pure, not caring the eliminated teams. A lot of those players are playing for jobs. You know, they're mm-hmm. playing for putting stuff on tape. You know, it'll be up to the coaches to take starters out or things of that nature. To, if they're trying to ensure a loss, Ooh, mm-hmm. bad, bad drop by the badger, your badgers there. I know. I know. Uh, sorry. I got distracted a little bit on that one there. Um, but yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Of course, Terry McLaurin gets freed this week by, uh, by Sam Howell. The one time all year that he remembers that he has this good receiver named McLaurin. Um, I swear, maybe not the only time the Broncos gave me at a big game, but it was, it was like, I buried McLaurin in my rankings once they announced Howell. And it turns out four for 61. I didn't really totally bear you know totally to, didn't totally really regret it but still nonetheless it was like one of those where i was like uh you know like, come on this could have been here all year well it's also kind of sad that four for 61 and a touchdown counts as like an explosive game for terry mclaurin yes yes right exactly yeah we'd like to get him a better quarterback at some point i think he's still you know one of the most underrated receivers in the nfl i think to, to have the production that he's had really with the quarterback play that they've had has been remarkable oh, yeah. i just hope he doesn't go down the Allen robinson career i know thing. I know uh, that we got one more game to go and that's uh Denver and the chargers. Um, this had meaning at the time, but since Denver has been eliminated with the chiefs winning and clinching. So, uh, but they did win with Jared Stidham at quarterback. Um, so yay to that. Um, they had no, no Mims, no Cortland Sutton. They used Judy. They used little Jordan Humphrey, as we talked about at the, at the open, this was just a blah game. This was a, I had this one on opposite Bengals yep. and uh, Chiefs because it was on locally. Um, and ugh, just I, like even when the Chiefs ga- Chiefs Bengals went to commercial, I was like, eh, I'll pivot over the volume, I guess. But I want to make sure I, I, I was almost willing to sit through commercials and sit through this game because it was just such a blah game. This is brutal. This is exactly what you'd expect from a Easton Stick versus Jared Stidham showdown. Yep. Uh, no Cortland Sutton for the Broncos, as you alluded to. So it was. It was a little Jordan Humphrey. It was Jerry Judy. It was Brandon Johnson getting into the mix. Uh, Judy and Johnson each targeted a team high six times. I know a lot of people were on Judy at DFS, you know, kind of made, made sense from a volume perspective. But, you know, I, I was kind of wondering, you know, would we see Denver open things up a little bit more? And maybe to some degree, uh, they did hit a couple long ones. You know, little Jordan Humphrey had a 54-yard touchdown, but he also should have been tackled like seven times on that play. I know mm-hmm. NFL Next Gen Stats uh, said he gained 35 yards over expected Wow. 54 yard touchdown. That was a beast mode play for sure. It was was pretty awesome. Meanwhile, namesake Alex Erickson led the chargers in receiving seven for 98. He was on the practice squad earlier and was a free agent before that. And now he's leading them in receiving over Quentin Johnson somehow, but uh, they had no Palmer, no Allen. There's no point to this game. Uh, It's just, Two of 11 on third down. Yeah, yeah. it was – both these teams are playing out the string. And it's funny that, you know, Denver had real implications and still was like, nah, we're good. We're, we're going to Jared Stidham. We, we we see the writing on the wall. And, I mean, the Chargers, this was like an all-time playing out the string uh, on these last yeah. few games. For sure. For sure. Question in the comments from Chris asking, where does Russ wind up next year? Because he's going to be released in March. Yeah. Someone – in you know, some team isn't going to have to pick up his contract. It'll be, you know, covered by the Broncos. Uh does someone take a chance on Russell Wilson? Uh, someone's going to, obviously, but yeah, I was gonna say history strongly suggests that somebody will. Um, like a and, Baker Mayfield type of deal, right? I think so. I think it's going to depend who gets left off 
the quarterback merry-go-round, right? Because mm-hmm. there's going to be free agency. Obviously, there's going to be the draft. And, you know, there's you just look at how the draft breaks down right now. You know, care or Chicago, if they want it, they'll have an opportunity or they could trade that number one pick. Somebody's getting a quarterback there. Washington, New England, you would think those three are taking quarterbacks. Beyond that, I mean, a team like Atlanta is going to be sitting out there. I, w- I would love Atlanta to be the Justin Fields trade destination if that were to happen. If that doesn't happen, if Chicago stands pat or trades them somewhere else, maybe maybe that would be the Russell Wilson spot. That would be ultra depressing for a number of reasons, but it's going to take a, a team that's in a desperate spot, right? No, nobody's like, you know, doing somersaults to go get Russell Wilson this offseason, yeah. but some team is going to look around and say, well, our other options are Desert Ritter and Taylor Heineke, or our other option is Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we need to take that risk. I, I, there are plenty of teams that will end up being interested, unfortunately. Yeah. If, 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 if Arthur Smith stays with the uh, Falcons, I don't wish that upon Justin Fields. No. Um, I'm fine with Russ going there then in that case, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. But I, I think it will be a Baker Mayfield type of make good contract there. And he might, yeah. it might, it might work out. Who knows? You never uh, know. I mean, there, it, it, he's still a guy, right? He's still a name. I, I think that's yeah. part of it too. It's like, there might be an owner that's like, Hey, I, I want Russell Wilson. You know, I, I'm not, I haven't paid attention to football in three years. I want this guy. Uh <laughs> Carolina. Yeah, it, it, all right. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's really the entire NFC South is in play. <laughs> he could be a Buccaneer. He could be a saint. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The Vikings, depending on what happens with, with Kirk Cousins, you know, I, I think the Raiders, I think, yeah, I would, you know, the Titans maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be probably a similar field of this Denver team where like, you know, like no good team is going to be bringing in Russell Wilson. It's like you're bringing him in and just hoping you could go like nine and eight. Yep. But we're in a climate where Jimmy G got paid last year. Uh, Derek right. Carr got the contract he got. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, it, it'll, it'll land somewhere there. All right. Uh, any other comments for sign, sign off for today? I think we're good, man. Uh, this is a fun week of football. Good to have the Jags uh, back on the winning side of things. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a notably better state of mental health uh, after a, a month of losing. But uh, looking forward to, to Week 18, man. Uh, it's going to be a nice mix of just complete – crap games with nothing on the line and then you know big ones like like jags titans and of course bills dolphins yeah exactly looking forward to that as well and i'm at peace knowing that the bengals season ended in disappointment mm-hmm. but uh it is what it is um i do what they love yeah and we'll get get help get burrow healthy for next year and we'll go on from there so all right that's gonna wrap up the show thanks everybody who spent a little bit of their new year's with us uh congrats on those who won chips and uh we you know Thanks for listening all season long. We'll still, uh, we'll recap next week as well. Uh, but thanks for listening all season. We got a three hour show tonight. If you're not doing anything on Sirius XM fantasy, we got a three hour tour, uh, starting an hour early too. So, uh, kind of tune in, you watch a little college football and listen to us on the side at the same time. If you don't want to hear the broadcast there. So thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.